you're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Tuesday, which means this is our hashtag one big idea episode. In these episodes, you'll hear some of the best big ideas from incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. Here we go. So first of all, thank you everybody for joining in. This is the first time I think Inbound is doing a live podcast in a podcast lounge. So we're, we're super pumped. I'm Sangram, the founder of Terminus and also do a daily podcast called Flip My Funnel. We've done about close to 200 episodes of it and we're in the top 50 business podcasts. So if you are interested in listening to amazing people like, like David appear and just hear daily rant, we also talk about how we're building a business. It's like a a movie in the making of like our failures as we started the company and what happens and all that stuff. So super excited. I'm here joined with James. Yeah. So my name is James Carberry. I'm the founder of a company called Sweetfish Media. We produce podcasts for B2B brands. And I'm the co-host of Sangram's Flip My Funnel podcast and also a podcast called B2B Growth. And so really excited to share the content on, on both Flip My Funnel and B2B Growth and excited to chat with you today, David. Awesome. A daily podcast. <laughs> daily. Can't even wrap my head around Since daily. Since January 1st. Awesome. Uh, That's congratulations. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. All right. So I'll, I'll kind of share a couple of things and I would love, David, for you to introduce and share a little bit more sure. about yourself. First of all, I saw David speak. And one of the reasons I wanted you to be on the show is because uh, I saw him speak at the Marketing Profs Conference. This was probably three years or four years, maybe right, right around the election time. And I think your whole presentation was around newsjacking. Now, who among you have heard about newsjacking? Uh, and, and I think if you're in marketing and sales, like I think we, we realize and recognize that the traditional way of getting the information out is just not, not cutting it. So there's a lot that I want to learn and hear more about you on newsjacking. And he's, he's an author of 10 books, you know, New York bestseller. Uh, he's an advisor to HubSpot, also co-authored a book with Brian Halligan. So pretty awesome, as you just heard from him. He's spoken at almost every single inbound conference. So that's, that's pretty awesome. And really is a marketing and sales strategist. So David, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks. Awesome to be here. Yeah, let's give him a huge round of applause. Oh, and to these guys. That anything I missed, I know there's a lot that I probably... That's good. You did a great job. <laughs> I tried. All right. Good, good, good. So first question, well, even before we get into newsjacking and all that stuff, I saw you getting interviewed by Tony Robbins. How did you manage to do that? So Tony actually has become a friend. I speak at all of Tony Robbins' business mastery events around the world. Wow. And he does between three and five business mastery events. And I have been for the last four years doing that. It was just a couple of weeks ago in Las Vegas. And it's unbelievable because, I mean, Tony is the man, the master. He's probably the most popular speaker in, in, the, in the world. And he uh, does a five-day event called Business Mastery. And I have the two-hour session on day two yeah. in the evening <laughs> about marketing. So I'm the marketing guy. And it's, it's amazing because we had 2,200 people in a theater in Las Vegas. Wow. And if you've ever been to a Tony Robbins event, you know how unbelievably upbeat and energetic they are. Or if you've seen the film, I Am Not a Guru, which is the documentary yep. about Tony. You understand that. But the idea that he lets me share his stage is, I still can't believe that yeah. that, that, that that happens. And it's one of the highlights of my year are those particular presentations. So 
Tony and I partnered to create an online learning course called New Marketing Mastery, which I actually sell at the Business Mastery events. And so Tony and I created this hour and a half video of us riffing, riffing about marketing, which is great. You know, it's really fun. And he interviewed me. I interviewed him a little bit. And, you know, the guy has like 16 companies generating 5 billion in revenue. So yeah, he's, you know, it's massive. Pretty, no doubt about it. Be massive. Anybody have not heard about Tony Robbins? Uh-huh. All right, good. So one of the things before we get into news jacking, I wanted to hear about because you shared a story about the fact that you're into surfing and you shared that story. And I was like... I was, I was just like, wow, like you went to the workshop and you actually took a workshop. Could you share that a little bit of it? And one of the reasons I wanted you to share that is because I feel it has this sense of storytelling in there. It is in a sense, um, in a way, there, there's a way for people to think about that just because you are doing some handcrafting work. Right. It doesn't mean that you can't tell a great story. So could you share that story sure. a little bit? Sure. So I'm a, I'm a huge surfer. I'm not very really good at it, but I love it um, and do it as much as I can. In fact, next week I will be surfing, which would be great. And so I was you know, reading one of the surfing magazines that I do and in the winter. I was like, oh, God, I can't surf. So I could, well, I could, but I don't want to fly somewhere warm. But reading the surfing magazine, like there's an article about wooden surfboards. Mm. Wow, this is really interesting because surfboards are made, the surfboards that are made out of foam, the typical manufacturing process are really bad for the environment. And these are surfboards made out of wood, all natural, all sustained, sustainable wood. The, the varnish they use is not, it was really, it hit my hot button for yeah. surfing. It hit my hot button for the environment. And it was a craft built product. And it was just talking in general about wooden surfboards. So I went to the Google machine, typed yeah. in wooden, wooden surfboards, enter, bang. Top listing was grain surfboards in York, Maine. If you get in your car right now from here, you can be there in one hour and 15 minutes. And so I was like, wow, this is great. These, these guys make wooden surfboards. They're like, I forget the price, like $2,000 each. This is really neat. And then I'm reading and they're beautiful pictures. Like they yeah. sucked me into their content. Yeah. This is you like, actually spent time on their totally. website. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. Like I would have been the one, oh, this dude's here for 10 minutes. Or something. <laughs> right? It was totally, total inbound marketing. You know, yeah. number one search result. They sucked me in. But then they had like a section of the website was come to our build your own surfboard class. Like that's interesting. <laughs> so I, I'm looking at it and, and it turns out you can go up for four days in York, Maine to build your own surfboard. <laughs> that is cool. And so, so then this was end of October, I think. And I looked on their calendar and it said the next one is starting in two day, four days or two mm. days or something like that. It's like, oh, starting in two days. Well, my wife, Yukari, who's sitting right there in the front row, she was in Japan at the moment yeah. at that time. And so I said, huh, Yukari's not here. I don't have any speaking gigs. I don't really have any pressing assignments. I called them up. Hey, do you have any spots left? I go, oh, yeah, we got one left. Sign me up. <laughs> and so like two days after I Googled wooden surfboards, I'm in a factory in York, Maine, building my own surfboard. Wow. And I ended up interviewing them. I interviewed, I ended up creating content about them. I interviewed, I ended up going back and building a second surfboard with them. But what was fascinating about it was it was total inbound marketing. It was, it was, they knew how to tell their story. They knew their buyer persona, me, this you know, geek who wants to build their yep. own board, who wants to have a wooden board, who would like to work with their, you know, you, all this intellectual brain stuff that we do for a living. Oh my gosh, I can actually use my hands. Yeah. That's radical. I'd sign me up for that. <laughs> 
So it was just really, really interesting how they put all that together. And one more final thing about them that I think is interesting is they have a proprietary technique for building surfboards. It's a boat building technique. And it's basically ribs, just like a boat, and then wood that goes over the top, just like you would would with a boat. Uh, And in fact, the owner used to build furniture and build boats. Mm. And then it's fiberglassed and and whatnot. And it's a very proprietary technique that they invented. Yet they invite people to come up and build the boards themselves. So anybody who wants to can learn their technique and they're not afraid that Mm. other people are going to so-called steal their ideas. So I just thought the whole thing is pretty awesome. And they have a fabulous Instagram, Grain Surfboards. I I don't remember the number. Maybe someone can look it up, but like 50,000 followers or some number of followers. Yeah, that's for a little, you know, a little artisan surfboard company. I love it. David, I want to, I want to transition the conversation into talking about newsjacking from what I've found online. You actually coined the term. Actually, I didn't coin the term. It turns out that the term was coined in the 1970s in the UK. Okay. And what they were originally referred to is people stealing the roped up newspapers early in the morning. They would, they would jack the news. It would j- news jack. <laughs> they'd cut them open and they'd sell them on the street. And so that's how the term was invented. Okay. But then I co-opted that term six or seven years ago to be what it refers to today, which is the art and science of injecting your ideas into a breaking news story to generate attention, uh, media hits, sales. Could you share some examples of of maybe some companies that you've seen do this or or brands that you've seen kind of execute that strategy really well? Yeah. I mean, Donald Trump is president today because (laughs) of newsjacking. And people, I I started talking about Donald Trump and newsjacking in August of 2015, which was 18 months before the election. Mm -hmm. And in a blog post I wrote, I essentially predicted that he was going to win because he was the best marketer. Wow. He was the, and this was way before the primaries, right? This is when there were like, remember, remember there were like a whole bunch of people running for the Republican. Uh, There's only two or three running for the Democratic as Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton and uh, one or two others. But there were like, 20 or so. Like 25 people. And they had to break them up into like the A team yeah. debate and the B team debate. Remember that? Yep. And so I was like, Trump's going to win. And the reason he's going to win is because he's figured out how to newsjack everybody else. Mm-hmm. And that's what that whole Lion Ted and low energy Jeb was about. It's about newsjacking them. And so, you know, fast forward a little bit, then my favorite example of Trump newsjacking was when Hillary Clinton was giving the Democratic National Convention speech, the biggest speech of her life. Donald Trump was live tweeting it. Yeah. No one had ever done that before. The whole idea is when your competitor yeah. was doing their convention, you kind of went away and didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, I'll just live tweet it. And of course, what that meant is that every single news outlet had to say what Trump said. Yeah. So all of the news marketing the news stories that were supposed to be about Hillary Clinton's convention speech, every single one of them had quotes from Trump. So, and I'm not suggesting that I voted for Trump. I'm not suggesting that as a candidate, I supported Trump. I'm not suggesting that his politics were, in my opinion, good. I'm not also saying they're bad. I am saying he was the best marketer. No question about it. And that's why he's president. Um, so that's an, one example of newsjacking in the world of, in the world of business 
There's a guy I love. His name is Mitch Jackson. He's actually become a friend because I talk about him so much, but he's a lawyer. And so what he does is he's frequently looking at the legal aspects of news stories. So when Paul Manafort was indicted, he says what to do when you're indicted as a blog post. And Mitch Jackson is always looking for how he can comment on the legal ramifications of stories that are happening in the news. And that generates attention for him. Got it. So lots of examples of it. But the basic idea is that when there's a news story that's fast breaking, that's something that's just coming out, people are scrambling to learn more about what's going on with this news story. Yeah. What, what's, what's going on here? This is... And, and the media is looking for people to quote. If it's something related to a product or service, they're looking, well, can I buy one of these products or services? Mm-hmm. So if you're quick with content, so it's quick content creation. If you're quick and you create a blog post, bang, and Google indexes blog posts in real time, Google indexes videos on YouTube in real time. If you create that content instantly, then you can be seen by the media because they're looking for people to quote. They're looking for experts in their stories, or you can end up having people that search you out. In the case of Mitch Jackson, the lawyer, search him out because, hey, maybe this guy can help me with my legal challenges when they see a story that he's commented on. He told me recently that, um, do you remember the the Manafort jury was out for Mm -hmm like two or three days. It was a pretty long time. So he had prepared two blog posts, one if he was guilty and one if he was innocent. Turned out he was innocent or he was hung jury on whatever it was, eight counts and found guilty on eight counts. I don't know if he didn't have a, a blog post that was ready for that outcome, but he did have a not guilty and guilty blog post ready. He told me that within one second of the verdict, he was able to push a button. Oh, wow. And so he was prepared for that. Sometimes you can't be, you can be prepared if the, you know, if, if it's the Oscars or the World Cup or some event that you know is coming. But the best newsjacking opportunities are stories that you never saw. Was it a couple of years ago at the Super Bowl when, was it Oreos? Yeah, the and lights it, went out and Oreo jumped on it yeah. with... And it you can still dunk, dunk in the dark. And marketers talk a lot about that as an example of newsjacking and it is a good example of newsjacking. But in my mind, it's not a great example of newsjacking simply because everyone already had their eyes on the Super Bowl. So marketers were like waiting for something to happen. And now anytime something happens in a big event like that, there's hundreds or even thousands of brands that jump on it. What I think are more interesting and also have more potential are the ones that nobody ever saw coming. You know, the serendipity, the like, where in the world did that come from? And I, all of a sudden, geez, I'm an expert. And so I personally, when Donald Trump was elected, you know, everyone thought Hillary Clinton was going to win. Nate Silver thought Hillary Clinton was going to win. All the polls said Hillary Clinton was going to win. Hillary Clinton's polling and Donald Trump's polling said Hillary Clinton was going to win. Everyone thought she was going to win. And then at whenever they called the election, you know, one o'clock in the morning, whatever it was, well, shoot, why did Trump win? I know why he won. He was the best marketer. That was the title of my blog post. The best marketer has been elected president. And that one blog post generated a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of speaking gigs for me wow. because everybody wanted to know, geez, you know, what is it about Trump's marketing? that mm. He did so well. And I got, a, got in a bunch of different news stories as a result of that, because that was the moment that moment, and I wrote that, that blog post uh, was published around four o'clock in the morning. If I had waited till eight o'clock in the morning, it's too late. 
Mm. The, the stories are already, already written. The, that was the moment for that story. So the idea is to be really quick. What happened a few days ago, based on how you've just defined it, this might, this, I, I don't think this would be considered newsjacking, but what Nike did yeah. with Colin Kaepernick in mm-hmm. a few days with their newest Just Do It campaign. What do you think are the, are the pros and cons of, of that move? So I think it could be considered newsjacking. What, what, he, what, you know, he, of course, being the NFL quarterback or former NFL quarterback who refused to stand during the national anthem in 2016 and was very controversial move. The fact that he did that and it, it reached all the way to the White House mm-hmm. in terms of uh, people, many of them against that action and many people for that action. And so the Nike ad, if you haven't seen it, you can go to Colin. Uh, how do you pronounce his last name? Kaepernick is how I've always Thank you very much. <laughs> Sounds yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, because I, I, I never knew how to pronounce it. He, on his Twitter, is the ad. And it's actually a pretty awesome ad. And I think that it was a really gutsy move on the part of Nike to do that because I always recommend ne- that, try not to jump into controversial stories and definitely try not to jump into stories that don't have a direct tie with, with the business that you're in. Now, in this case, this story does have a direct tie to Nike because they make athletic equipment, athletic wear, shoes, shirts, and whatnot, and he's an athlete. So that works. So from that perspective, with my definition of newsjacking, it does work because they're an athletic apparel company, and he's an athlete, and they jumped onto that story. But it is an extremely controversial story. So it took guts to do that. And there, a lot of there has been a lot of backlash. There's been people who've been burning their shoes and whatnot. There's a, a hashtag Nike boycott that's going around. And they just made the calculation that this is something that we can do. Yeah. Can I add one more thing about newsjacking? I was honored at the beginning of this year when I learned uh, that the word newsjacking was selected for the Oxford English Dictionary. And my name is included in wow. the, in the, in the reference, which I'm, I'm extremely, obviously, proud that yeah. you can. And, and, but what's, what's fascinating about that is that any one of us can think of something, brand it, push it out there. And then all of a sudden, it's in the dictionary, <laughs> the OED. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Oh my that, God. That's, that's huge. Yeah. Kind of crazy. See, let's, how many of the folks in the room are in marketing? So I love to also like think about questions that you might have. Like I want to take a real example and, and put this to test and see if you can go through the process. Because I feel like a lot of people think that I've talked about newsjacking is like they feel it risky. Yeah. They feel like they don't, it's about their pay grade. Uh, sometimes, right? It it almost feels like, oh, what if, right? There's just so much what if this is not the bet to take on. So so here's a couple of guidelines. And I'd love to do that. And yeah. I've done that in some of my presentations before. And we've actually had some pretty, really big successes. Yeah. Literally just doing a little exercise in a presentation. Yeah. Somebody's done a tweet or an Instagram and they've, they've had results before the speech is even finished. But newsjacking can be something that's humorous. Yeah. So you can poke fun at something going on in a story. A good example of that is uh, Smirnoff, the vodka company, did a recent thing that said, we don't have any, oh, wait, we'd be happy to t- talk about our ties to Russia under oath, <laughs> is what it was, which is kind of neat. So humor can work. It can work to do something that you know a lot about. So something that you are a recognized expert about, that can work. 
something involving celebrity can work. Something involving, so, so those are a couple of examples of things that can work. If you combine uh, several of those, yep. if you can do celebrity and humor and sort of something that's trending and put those all together, then it can work really well. Yeah. So I don't have a bright idea of a perfect story that we could talk about. Does anyone yeah. have a good idea of a news story that we could? Yeah, if right? there's one, just keep thinking. We will, towards the end of it, if there is, in the last 10 minutes, we can open up and we can just see if we can and do some news jacking. News jacking right here. Live. I, there, was a, there was a story that I actually heard yesterday. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Casey Neistat. He's a, he's a really popular YouTuber. And Early in his career, he was asked by 21st Century Fox, it was a big movie company, and they were producing The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. And they came to him and they said, Hey, what would you, if you know, we want to give you the budget, our, our video promotion budget, here's the theme of the movie, what we want it to be about, you know, what would you do with it? And it was right after the massive hurricane in the, mm-hmm. was it in the Philippines? I mean, devastating event. Yeah. And he went, he took their entire promotions budget for that particular campaign. Yeah. And he filled up like two busfuls of food and tools and resources for these, you know, the, the people that were affected by that tragedy mm. and documented the entire thing yeah. and basically told this three minute story. It was very light on, you know, he, I think at one point he held up a sign that said, this is what the entire budget for the secret life of Walter Mitty's, you know, video yeah. promotion can buy. Uh, yeah. So it was a very, it was a, it was a subtle nut, you know, they, they mentioned the movie in it, but that video ended up going extremely viral. And so, you know, it obviously capitalized on something that was, right. you, know, you know, relevant. Okay. So I have our story. Great. Here's our story. I just, what I do four, five, six, seven, eight times a day, I go to Google News on my iPhone or Google News on my notebook computer. Uh, There's a Google News app on my iPhone. There's other news apps, but I just like Google News. It's really easy to use. This happens to be a New York Times story. It was the number one story on Google News at the moment I looked at it. The headline of the story is Live Updates, colon, Twitter's Dorsey to appear in house hearing. That, That, of course, being Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter. At 1.30 p.m. on Wednesday, that would be in eight minutes. Jack Dorsey, Twitter's chief executive, will testify before the House Energy and Commerce Committee on the moderation of online content. He is expected to face accusations that Twitter demonstrates political bias. Sheryl Sandberg for Facebook and Mr. Dorsey testified on Wednesday morning about their company's response. So, and Larry Page is also going to speak. So we're all marketers. We're all social media people, or many of us are. That is an, and it's happening in seven and a half minutes now. (laughs) Why not bang out a blog post or or a Facebook live or a YouTube video in the next seven minutes and do a preview of what Dorsey should say or what a preview of Dorsey, what might say. Or listen, or listen in on the live testimony through, through an app or through video or wherever that live testimony is, and then just do a live stream comment on it. Uh, so that. that's an example I just found in, geez, I got it. We got to leave. <laughs> Let's finish this podcast <laughs> yeah, right like, now. Yeah, like seven um, minutes. Because, <laughs> because that's what happens is you never know when it's going to happen. And it might be on Thanksgiving Day or it might be when you're at home eating dinner with your family, or it might be at three o'clock in the morning on a Sunday, or it might be in the middle of your podcast in the podcast lounge at, at, uh, at um, HubSpot's inba- uh, inbound 2018. Timing is, timing is obviously critical. Yeah. So I would suggest that's an interesting story that many of us could comment on. Totally. 
All right. There's always stories. Every single time you look on Google, Google News, News, there's something you can comment on. One of the other areas as you transition into is, is about agile selling. And I was looking at like some of the other topics that you talk about beyond newsjacking. Felt like that was kind of different. Like, and I'm trying to understand like how does agile selling, newsjacking, do they connect? And also I would love to hear like, what do you mean by agile selling? So I do think that- and Maybe I, it's going into the, the idea again. I do think the idea, I do think marketing and sales is absolutely converging in the online world. And I think it has been for quite some time. So in kind of my view of the world, this is extremely simplistic. I get that, but this is my view of the world. Marketing is reaching many people at once with content. Sales is reaching one person at a time with content. Mm. And that's how I look at that demarcation. And of course, there's, there's other ways to market and other ways to sell. I get that. You can do traditional advertising and billboard by the side of the road to do marketing. You can do email marketing. You can have different ways of selling. You can have a storefront where, where you have salespeople. You could have your typical B2B sales with salespeople that are on the phones or actually go out and meet people. But in my kind of simplistic view of the world, it comes down to content and that content can reach many people at once or it can reach one person at a time. So going back to that grain surfboard example that we talked about when we kicked off a couple of minutes ago, they created content to reach many people at once. That was their marketing content, which then reached a lot of people got number one search results, great marketing. But then I became one person who was a potential customer of theirs. And it was the breadcrumb trail that I followed that got me to the information about the, I wouldn't have bought a surfboard for them, but I did was absolutely intrigued by the make your own surfboard stuff. And then when I called them, you know, I was already like, I wasn't a hot lead. I was a scalding lead by the time I called them. You know, it was like, where do I give my credit card essentially? But then they just had to just simply take my credit card yeah. number is basically all they did. But that was essentially some of the same content ser- serving as sales. So the idea of agile selling when it includes content brings in something like newsjacking. So, okay, so Dorsey is doing his He's starting in four minutes and I can't watch it. Uh, Dorsey's starting in four minutes. And so there might be something that comes up that could be a piece of content that any one of us in this room could push out a Facebook live or a YouTube video or a tweet with a hashtag or an Instagram or a blog post, whatever it is, that could interest somebody in what we have to offer that could then drive them to our website or drive them to a landing page or drive them to a place they can actually buy a product or service. So that's one aspect of agile selling. Another aspect of agile selling is what are people doing on your website right now? And can you optimize to understand based on what they're doing, what they might want next and what you can serve up at the right time? So all sorts of different aspects of online selling when it regard, regarding sort of the online world. And then, then agile selling can also be just the, when it involves people, sales people, right. and be just the basic understanding of how is this person a unique individual? And yeah. how can I riff off of what they're saying to me to be able to sell to them and not just use a script? Yeah. Those are just a couple of thoughts. Yeah. I love that. David, this next thing I want to talk to you about is something that you're really passionate about. I've, I've talked a lot about this as, as well. 
this idea of ungated content. Yeah. I am a big proponent of it. I, I think that ungated content is is really the direction of, of where marketing is is heading. But the question is obviously if well, if you're not collecting an email, if you're spending all these, you know, this time and resources as a marketer creating content and it's not behind a gate, so you can't collect an email for it, how do you kind of advise marketers to measure the effectiveness of ungated content? Sure. So I'm a massive fan of the Grateful Dead. <laughs> and Brian Halligan and I co-wrote a book, Marketing Lessons from the Grateful Dead. And I, I always love Brian and Darmesh's keynote, which is coming up in a few minutes. Um, you could newsjack that too. That'd be yeah, something you that could actually newsjack, is a good actually, one. At this place, you could yeah. figure out something really clever to say or do. Now, yep. Don't jump up on the stage. I don't think that'd be a good idea. But there's <laughs> something clever you could do. But I'm always interested in Brian's keynote if he's going to pull out a Grateful Dead reference because he just might do that. He's seen the Grateful Dead over 100 times. I've seen them 72 times. Walton wrote the forward to our book. He's seen the Grateful Dead 850 times. And the reason I'm talking about the Grateful Dead to answer your question about gated content is the Grateful Dead allowed fans to record their concerts. Mm-hmm. The only band in the beginning that allowed that. Everyone else said no. If you got a ticket for the Rolling Stones or whatever, I would often say no recording allowed. And if you tried to walk in with a professional level recording gear. No, you can't bring that in. The Grateful Dead says, sure, why not? People bring in microphones like this and and they have a taping section. And that got people to trade the tapes and then they wanted to go see the shows and they became the most popular touring band in the 1980s and 1990s. And they're still touring today with John Mayer playing the Jerry Garcia role, selling out shows in stadiums. Still 50 they were 1965, 53 years after they were founded, they still three original members who are doing that. We've got a Grateful Dead fan in the, uh, in the, in the back. Uh, and so the reason I'm saying that is because they ungated their content. They allowed people mm-hmm. to share it. And Brian and I, in our book, we talk about that a lot. The idea of ungated content, learning from the Grateful Dead. And that idea applies in a huge way to us as marketers to give people the kind of content that will be shared, give people the kind of content that they will want to write about, will want to tweet about, will want to email to their colleague with no barrier to be able to use that content, whether that's a white paper, an ebook, or whatever it might be. And you rightly say, but wait a minute, David, how do we get sales leads? Well, first of all, I believe that if someone is interested in your product, you don't have to beat them over the head to buy it. Nobody had to beat me over the head to become interested in the grain surfboards lesson. And if they had gated their content and then had a salesperson, I wouldn't have bought it. Yeah. Because you know the five ways to think about a great surfboard. You you know, it's really, you know, and it's really ironic about this grain surfboard thing. I walk in and they were cranking the Grateful Dead. And it turns out John, who's one of the chief shapers there, is a huge Grateful Dead fan. So you can measure how many people are, are consuming the content. But I'm a, I'm a big believer in secondary offers inside the primary offer. The primary offer is free. Here's a free white paper. Here's a free ebook. Here's a free infographic. Here's some great free stuff. Here's a blog typically is free. Here's our blog. Please check it out. But then with calls to action within the free content. Uh, oh, so if you like this ebook, great. Please join our webinar on this particular topic. 
oh, you like this blog post? Cool. Well, why not sign up for our free analysis of your company's business uh, or whatever it might be? Or uh, in the consumer world, um, you could drive people to a page that has your product offering on it organized in such a way that it's related to the blog post that you just saw. So there are many ways that you can drive people from free content to something that's gated or from free content to something that you can buy. I'm not a believer at all in putting the gate up front in the beginning because you're basically saying to something, no, I don't want you to consume my content until you give me something of yours first. Mm -hmm. That's not free. That's the opposite of free. That's like demanding something. I also like to use the dating analogy. So we've been married for a long time. I've been a very long time since I've been dating, but I'm imagine going into a bar and then you're interested in someone before you even talk to them, you demand to have their business card or you demand to have their phone number. You demand to know how much money do you make? And that's often in the forms. It says, you know, name, company, email address, phone number. What's your budget for this product category yeah. next year? How many company, how many employees in Mother's your company? This is crazy. So I, I, I say, be a grateful dead and make your content free, but then figure out a way to drive people in grateful dead style. Okay. You can record our concerts and share the tapes and then later on share the MP3 files. That's awesome. Yeah. But guess what? The more you consume those recordings, the more you want to spend money for the concert tickets. Now we, uh, we would talk about the the session that we did before this was the future of marketing. And one of the things that, that I was talking about is that, I want people to spend time and that's the currency I want to trade in. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. Right. Like if just going back to your dating analogy, like any relationship that we all have, like we spend time with people we like, we, we try to avoid saying hello to the person we don't want to spend time and try, go start walking fast. Like you won't ever see me walking fast. That's the only reason I'm walking fast. But for the most part, we want to spend time with people we like or if it's of interest to your point. So if marketing starts figuring out a way to give content, share content and create and ungate everything, we have seen upwards of like 30, 40% in in terms of time people spending on our website because we just knowing who the person is and knowing what industry they belong to, the content on the website is now fully tailored to them. And that's we're calling more on the account-based marketing side. It allows people to like spend time and all of a sudden the salesperson now knows, oh, so-and-so company spending more time on our website. Right. Now it's salesperson's job to figure out right. who do you reach out to and they have all their tools in their back pocket together. And that goes back to your agile selling question of earlier because then if you have a, a very clever piece of software like HubSpot, for example, yep. um, then you can figure out exactly what people have seen mm-hmm. on the website. Here's, they, they saw this blog post that led them to this ebook, which led them to this blog post then to this video. And therefore the salesperson is armed in an agile way yeah. When they do have that conversation or when they do send their email, gee, have you considered X, Y, Z? Because they know that's what that mm-hmm. person is interested in. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, so, you know, before we get to any questions that we may have the audience, love to hear about what is the topic that you talked about here and what was it about? Oh, my gosh. Because I mentioned earlier, I've spoken at every inbound. I have to constantly come up with new topics. So I, today I did one on sonic branding, how to use music and sound to brand your business. And we talked about sonic logos, like famous ones like the NBC chimes and the Intel inside and the Apple ringtone, things like that. We also talked about music 
Uh, I played the Harry Potter theme song, for example, from the movies. (laughs) And I was watching in the audience, I could see from the audience, everyone who had ever seen a Harry Potter movie was brought back to Hogwarts just from that music, which is fabulous. And that anybody can use this idea of sonic branding in their, in their own business. I actually asked for a show of hands and hundred percent of the room does visual branding. So that's low, you know, logos and uh, visual logos and colors and things like that. Almost everyone in the room does branding with words. In other words, you're careful about what word choice you use and what language you use. And only 20% of the room was doing anything around music with sound. Mm. It's a huge, wide open space. Um, So I I know very little about the topic. I I knew enough to be dangerous about the topic. That's awesome. All right. So I'm going to wrap up with the takeaways that I had from this conversation. I'm sure I missed a lot. So keep me honest there. And then I would love for you to leave everybody in the room and listening to the podcast with a challenge that they can take on. All right. So a couple of things. One, you know, you started off with this, uh, the idea of um, going to this workshop and learning like storytelling is at the heart of all of this. And we all know that as marketers, I think, I think we need to own it. But more importantly, I think the, the example where you shared that even that company wasn't afraid to show what they do, even though they have an IP on it, right? Goes back to the the whole idea of the Grateful Dead. Like they were not afraid of letting people come and do it, so which means that we should not be scared of our competitors. We should really take them on and, and show that we have a much bigger audience and message. As a result of that, you would actually go further. So, and, and that's interesting with this conference. Yeah. Anyone who wants to can come here. HubSpot competitors as well. And they, totally. uh, HubSpot, of course, is the sponsor of the event and HubSpot employees put the event on, obviously, but it's not exclusive. It's Just inclusive of anyone who wants to come. Fascinating to me that they do it that way. Yeah. One of the things we talk about is on the podcast quite a bit is that without a community, you are a commodity. And I think that's where... Did you quote that? Yeah, the, Good one. Yeah, all right. 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 We get in there. And, and the reason is because we started with Terminus, we started a conference called Flip My Funnel that led to the Flip My Funnel podcast. And we have a huge community that's rallying around us right now to build a great product and a platform. And that, that helps. So we, we think about it all the time is that there's probably somebody out who's trying to get a better product than what we have. But if you have a great community, then, uh, then why not? So the other part is that the, the that you talked about when we we talk about newsjacking, the types of newsjacking. I think this was I never thought about it. Humorous, it can be humorous. It can be you know getting a celebrity involved. But the one I think is probably relevant to everybody in this room is is probably that you want to be an expert mm. in your field. And I feel like that is something that that I take to heart. And that was a really good good thought there. And it can be really random in how you can take your expertise and then apply it to a story that makes that other people hadn't really thought of you could apply to. And I'm going to go back to Trump's marketing. Yeah. Like no one else had done that analysis, or at least not when I started, they started to a little bit after that. Has anyone done anything around? Have you, what'd you do? Um, I uh, taught Google during the London 2012 Olympics yeah. uh, through blogging. Uh, and maybe it's just uh, frequency of content. Uh, news media outlets then picked up on it. Actually, six years later, I'm presenting it in Bound on Friday. <laughs> oh, nice. Almost as a result of that. So it, yeah. it, it, it works. Entire- it works. I, I shouldn't have flipped it to someone without a mic. <laughs> I apologize for that. I'm an, obviously an amateur podcaster <laughs> over here. Well, in terms of experimentation, so for, I was then invited and paid to go to Rio for 2016 to cut the Olympics there and decided that we'd do exactly the same thing by doing uh, commentary on, live commentary on Twitter. 
Awesome. That's Perfect. Awesome. Has anybody news Jack Jack Dorsey in the last? <laughs> <laughs> he tried to do some tweets there. All right. And the last one is going back to ungated content. And I feel I want to underscore that is because if you can get figure people to spend time on your website back to the same point, it makes so much sense. Nobody wants to talk to people who are not interested in, in your products. So why not get them more excited, interested, and thereby call the process. So as we wrap it up, what is the one challenge that you want to give to everybody in the room and everybody listening to the podcast? There are 100,000 of them. My challenge is to make marketing or whatever it is you do, make marketing or sales or software creation, whatever it is, fun. Fun. That's my challenge. And so for many people, it isn't. And I think the idea of everything I look at in the way that I look at the world is how can I make this idea in my case of marketing fun? Okay. So I love, I love the grateful dead. What the hell did they do to build a fan base? Well, well, that's pretty neat. Let's write a book about that. Who should I write a book about that? Well, HubSpot CEO would be a good person. He's a grateful dead fan too. Let's get Bill Walton to be a part of it. He's an NBA basketball hall of famer and maybe he'll do it. Bill, we don't know us, but (laughs) sure. I'll do that. Um, and newsjacking is like, cool. It's like, wow, I love this idea of like banging on the news. So my challenge is gravitate towards something that you love because then all else will follow. And I'm just a massive, massive believer in that. It's, it's becoming a fan of something. When you become a fan of something, then how can you use that fandom to aid or even become your career? Yeah. yeah. Love that. Well, let's give a huge round of applause. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Thanks, guys. This is great. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.